Hello and welcome to the Edge of the Box Football Podcast. Today, we're fulfilling every football fan's dream and sticking two fingers up to Joey Barton. As you may recall, Barton recently scoffed at the idea that N'Golo Kante could lace the boots of the likes of Gerrard, Lampard and other midfield greats that came before him in the Premier League. Well, we're here to explain why, not for the first time, Mr Barton sounds very stupid. We're also discussing whether or not Leicester will be ever be able to break into the Premier League's top six or even expand it to a top seven. I'm your host, Harry Brent. So, I'm going to give you a quote, and okay. I want you to tell me who said this. Football player. Football right? player said it, right, okay. A football player said it, okay? A bum needs to fall on the stands and kill all the Catalan and Basque dogs. A bum needs to fall on the stands and kill all the Catalan and Basque dogs. That is right. So, somebody a, Spanish. A Madrid player, like Ramos. <laughs> oh, uh, Franco. General Franco. <laughs> He was a Real Madrid fan. Nice. So it, it, it's a it's a football per, footballer, football figure, like it, a football a, player. A football okay, player. Okay, he's a football player. Mm, Suarez because he's just left Barca. It's not Suarez. I, I, you got to think of the round. <laughs> surely, surely it's not a modern quote. There can't be someone. Who's said <laughs> it, it is a modern. It is a modern, modern quote. It, it was said on Twitter. Uh, it was written on Twitter. I would. I would should say. Right. So Catalan and so. It's got to be, it's got to be a... Madrid, who, Madrid. Yeah, Madrid. It must be a Madrid player or somebody like that. So not Ram- Marcel? No. I think it was, will it be- Maybe one of the young ones or something. Uh, like Asensio? No. Like Is it a real Madrid player? Right, well, you've had your three, so I'll tell you. It's the oh, Premier come on, League no. player. The Premier League player. Thiago. Yeah. No. Premier League player? Current Premier League player. Oh, give us. A I'll give you three more, then I'll give you another get. I'll give you another quote. Right, okay. <clears throat> what was the quote again? A bomb should fall on. A the... bomb should fall on the stands and kill all the Catalan and Basque dogs. Current Marcus Alonso. Not Marcus Alonso. <laughs> Is it Regulon because he's come from Real Madrid? Is. It's not regular, on that. Because he would go down massively in my no estimations. Way. There's no way anyone could say this and it not be a huge thing. Why yeah. have I heard this? It's not is James. It, is it James what? Milner? Boring James Milner. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not James Milner. Milner. Right. So <laughs> he plays for one of your three teams. Oh, oh God. Um... I want to say Arisa Balaga just because it's like, not no, 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 no. You're guessing what's Spanish. You are? I'm pretty sure Arisa Balaga is Basque. <clears throat> I don't know. Basque dogs. Um, <laughs> my mother and father. <laughs> <laughs> is it, was it There's sincere? One. I just, I can't get my, I just can't get my head around the. I know, the... it's all without the context. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. Is this a serious. Right, the context was, I think, that they were whistling during the national anthem of Spain. Okay. And this player has taken offence to that. So it must be a Spanish player. Um, I mean, it can't be Azpilicueta. That's that's just it's not, not an Azpilicueta thing to say. Um, Rodri. Sorry, what did you say, Agbe? Baron Torres. No. Uh, do, you want another, do you want another clue? He's on one. That one, of course. Um, um, 
Oh, Danny Ceballos. It's Danny Ceballos. Yeah. There it is. Danny <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think I actually uh, do remember seeing this now. <laughs> and he didn't get in trouble for this. That's hilarious. I, did, I didn't read that far into it. I was like, that's an interesting <laughs> plot. I'm going to mention that. <laughs> that's a oh, nice one. That's... <laughs> I mean, I wow. Mad. When did he back, say back, this? Back. When did he say this? Like the other day? Has he has he gone no, back no. to Spain squad since? And has anything been said to him? He'll get a slap around the head. The hell are you talking about? It's our own people. Imagine a midfield of him and uh, Gwenduzi. Could you think of a more dickheadish like partnership? <laughs> yeah, probably better than Shaka and El Nenny, I'll tell you that anyway. Yeah. Uh, this is 2017. Oh, right. Okay, so he didn't say it in oh, while, right, while here. Right, right, okay. No, no. Okay. What do, you, what do you guys, what do you make of the whole um, Lee Mason stuff, particularly in light of what we said the other week with our pet peeves about and, and talked about Mike Dean getting a massive abuse uh, and one of our first pet peeves to go into room 343 was ref disrespect. Like, I know it was a gigantic farce, <laughs> but he's been getting a lot of, like, abuse that's been going unchecked. Does it Was it warranted? Has he passed his best? I think I saw something about Mark Clattenburg today, basically oh, saying, I know, I know. I'm just trying to quickly find it. <laughs> uh, I don't know how recent this interview was, but uh, Martin Clattenburg on the new generation of referees. If I made a mistake in the past, I'd be the only one to blame. Now, if a Premier League referee makes a mistake and VAR fails to correct it, it's the system which uh, is criticised. Uh, the standard has dropped over the years, without a doubt. Since he left, the standard has gone a hell of a lot way up. Um well, that's that's just his opinion, Harry. He's entitled oh, to he that. Was, he was absolutely. I mean, he was he was fine at doing the little things, but he could, the bloke could not control a match. No. I mean, no. Do you remember that? Um, uh, the the Chelsea Tottenham game that was the battle at the bridge that ended with Leicester winning the league. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like Tottenham lost their. Sh- Sorry, Ash, completely <laughs> lost their. Sh- and um, they, they went back, they did some referee, did went back through it and said in a normal game, I'd have given something like seven red cards and about 12 yellow cards in that game. Plattenberg gave one yellow card. And he's just, and I thought, oh, that's poor because it, it was just obvious. That, and his justification, which fair enough makes sense as a justification, but it's very unprofessional, is no. that. Definitely. He, he decided he wasn't going to send anybody off because he didn't want Tottenham to use that as an excuse for why they lost the game. He wanted them to just kind of unravel them, themselves. And, and I'm like, fair enough, but that's not your job. How do you yes. um, it was It was outrageous, but... Wow. Right. So, well, I don't want to be held accountable for anything. I don't want to, yeah. be, ref- I don't want to referee because I don't want to be held accountable for things. <laughs> what? And that, I don't want to be accountable for the decisions I've made. <laughs> Uh, and that's that, yeah. Sim- similar sort of thing with the Chelsea Man United handball. And th- lately, I, mm, what do you think about that handball? 
Well, uh, if I'm looking look- at the rules of handball. I mean, it technically is. Yeah, I mean, according well, to these absolute rules of if it just touches your hand. But, but I mean, it's of course, it's not what the rule should be. We all agree that that, that especially with VAR now, it shouldn't be the case. Man United have a point to complain because, yeah, under the rules, that should have been a pen. But I think, as you said, Ro, with Mike Dean making a decision to to go against the rules for the sake of the game, I think that's what Stuart Atwell's just decided he's going to do. Um, and, 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 you know, it doesn't take into account, like, was, you know, was his arm pushed up there by Greenwood's arm and all this stuff? It, it's silly to have that mm. kind of rule. Um, I mean, what do you think about what Luke Shaw said about it? Though that's that's probably the more interesting takeaway <coughs> from that because there's there's a million seemingly uh, seemingly a million different VAR controversies about was it the right decision, wasn't it? Yeah. But I, th- I feel like this is the first time where a referee has tried to steer his way out of the firing line by making a decision based. On himself, if if what Luke Shaw's said is well, right, yes, I don't, I don't believe well, it. Is. Th- well, this is what's come out, hasn't it? Um, Maguire's come out and said that Luke Shaw got some of the conversation. He wasn't hundred percent right, I don't think. Yeah. yeah so look, this is this this was something that really irritated me. It's like fair enough, you're saying that, but maybe you know, converse with the referee at the end of the game just to clarify before going. Obviously, you're going to get interviewed straight away. Maybe have a quick, you know, converse in a, in a calm manner, or have the manager converse with with um, the referee, and then uh, explain it to the players, and they're all on the same wavelength. Because obviously, Maguire was told one thing, and Luke Shaw um, must have heard a snippet of it in which twisted or yeah, the, the word, the word, the wording was very different. Yeah, the wording was very different. He's been media trained. From a very young age, he should yeah. he should know not to say things like that. He should know better than to yeah. to blindly he, throw accusations based on something his part heard. It's it's not professional in the slightest. I, I agree. He should agree. be made to yeah. apologise to him. Well, I think I think he has. I think he has apologised, and I think he has retracted it now. He, he said he's, he's come out and said he misheard. I'm not yeah. sure if he did. He say sorry. I don't know. But he should have done. He should. I think yeah, because because they were facing charges, and I think they probably would have been charged. Him and Solskjaer would have been charged if they, if they if they went through with it. But but I agree. I mean, you, you have to even if even if you think there's a potential for that, that's not the way to to start. You don't start flinging accusations of essentially cheating. He's essentially said Stuart Atwell has has cheated in the name of saving his reputation, which which. As you say, may have been may have been information, but but you just can't go and say it. And and can we just talk about just Oli Gunnar Solskjaer? Oh my yeah. days! Yeah, come on! What he's not got his gamely penalty now. He's thrown all his toys out of the pram and he's yeah. blaming Chelsea's website. He's blaming a website. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a Chelsea fan. No, I, even, I wasn't aware of that going up. Like, why the hell would Stuart That's Atwell true. be aware of it? I heard it mentioned, right? It was quite funny. It was he's he's either gone on there scrolling through Chelsea's website to find some kind of reference to Man United's penalties, or someone at Manchester United is paid to do that. <laughs> so yeah. Someone's got the most ridiculous job in the world, or he is a child. <laughs> yeah, they, they've had it in place to be like, right, if something goes awry with a decision, then you've got this t- to reference, mm. and like. It, it was like sort well Jurgen Klopp levels of pathetic when he's complaining about the wind. It reminded me of Ferguson yeah, in a way. The windy game. Like yeah, like Ferguson used to not in that way. He used to be a lot more bullying with it, but he used to just 
really go at referees for the tiniest little things and and I mean and as you say the, the lack of self-awareness like Man United have been by far and away the f- most fortunate team in terms of penalties in the last 24 months or whatever it is this it all comes you know no team gets fa- intentionally favored it all comes around maybe that's maybe that's why maybe that's what happens if you if you get a load of lucky decisions it starts coming up on you know in the public um forum and then so referees think about it more so suddenly you get you know less decisions and that's how it all yeah. that's that's not different to having like sixty thousand fans screaming at you for a bad decision yeah. is it it's still there in your head like in this in the back of your head it's still there and, it's just, and, and it's, it struck me like, as a bit petulant. And he can't, me. you can't, it's like, it would be like Chelsea complaining about, so can Chelsea now complain that Solskjaer is bringing the game into disrepute by by highlight? Because like he was complaining that Chelsea highlighted a, a Maguire foul that shouldn't, that wasn't given against us. Yeah, so can now, exactly. Chelsea, can now uh, uh, Tuchel go, oh, well, Solskjaer is complaining about this. So that's, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, does he not see the hypocrisy? Very petty. Um, <laughs> high school, high school crap. Yeah, <laughs> pathetic. It's pathetic. You know what I mean? Oh, you you mentioned Alex Ferguson. Do you see Alex Ferguson referencing a website? <laughs> to, to... Yeah, and I mean maybe not that specific instance, but it it, it seemed like a kind of he, he sort of wants to. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to throw my weight around here and complain about things. Yeah, I, I hear an angry viewer kind of brought into the show, uh, displeased with my. A certain comment I made. Mm. Uh, so the comment was that I, right now, if you offered me the swap, I would not take Julian Nagelsmann over Jose Mourinho. And while I don't want to retract that statement, I would like to add a little bit more detail to the statement. Uh, I think I mentioned last week that there would be a £30 million cost to Tottenham mm-hmm. to get rid of Jose Mourinho at present, which would be reduced at the end of the season, to be honest. But as well as that, I feel uh, if you don't give him to the end of the season, it would be unfair. But um, would you yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got to really... You are? Who would you have taken at the start? So once Pochettino left and both Mourinho and... Oh, Nagelsmann, like, without a shadow of a doubt. Let, let's say you win the League Cup and you get to the end of the season fourth and Nagelsmann's available. What, what would you do then? The end of the season, you've given Mourinho that, mm. and there's no signs that it's in crisis. But you know, but Nagelsmann. Ooh, that's the question. It's going to be a recurring thing. I'm going to keep offering you things to say. He's going <laughs> to keep writing in, and then you're going to have to re- re- like revise it every every time. That's the thing this season, right? Is Nagelsmann's in the title race of his own, right? He's up against Bayern Munich. He's going to want to see that out. He's not going to want to come and steal Tottenham Hotspur at the moment. But if you ask me at the end of the season, if if we've got like a League Cup and finished fourth, that's a massive success from where we were before. So I don't think he would warrant sacking Mourinho for that, for the amount of money that's paid. You're dancing. The amount of money. The amount of money that, right? So the amount of money that you would pay to get rid of Mourinho after doing a successful job. What's the point? Just keep him on. Like, no, I mean. Well, unless you don't think he's the it's right a, It's a three-season wonder. These managers don't, A, don't stay available forever, and B, like, I used the Klopp, I used the Klopp example to somebody the other day. When Klopp was sort of potentially available for from Dortmund, wasn't it like Arsenal could have 
had him for. A, for Arsenal a could have had everybody. The amount of times <laughs> I know I've heard that said everybody. <laughs> there was definitely a time, a pound felt for where every time if, if they if they were brave enough to say to Wenger, look, come on, mate, Van Moose, they could have got Klopp, they could have got Guardiola. Yeah. And at what point do you say, well, okay, the, you know, you, you sometimes managers are des- deserving of time and, and finishing whatever project they're, they're happening. But at what point do you go? Mm-hmm. I'm not when saying should you and, take a gamble like, on a young yeah. and come in? Fantastic yeah. manager, it, yeah. You don't really yeah. see that Nagelsmann is necessarily going to be of the calibre of, of those two. But but certainly, you know, at what point do you go, well, how often think, do these managers come around? So those types of managers don't manage, weren't managing the Premier League more than once. So you can't picture Klopp Managing <clears throat> the Premier League, you can't picture Pep managing. Not for a while, anyway. If maybe so, if Nagelsmann become available and goes to let's say a United, it's very unlikely that you'll be able. People want to go to Tottenham, however long down the line, or, or even another Premier League team. So mm. I guess it's it's the sort of the gamble of do you like Harry? I think Harry's point was do you go for a, a young upcoming manager who this is the best time to get him and you might not be able to get them again and they become the next Pep or the next great manager or do you stick with Mourinho who, if they did come fourth and win the League Cup or the Carabao Cup, um, has done a, a very good job? Do you do you take that risk or not? Um, I think, I th- well, f- thankfully it's not up to me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I- I'll end it, I guess I'll end it by saying that if Nagelsmann came in in the summer for Mourinho, I would be happy. But if Mourinho does well this season and stays on, I would also be happy. Okay. Uh, was that good enough? Was that good enough? Yeah, I mean, you explained your reasoning. I mean, you still obviously stuck with the same thing. So he's probably going to have a have a. He's probably going to bite back, but not bite back. But you know what I mean. He's probably going to have something else to say. Yeah, um, hit him on the pod. Get him on. Get him on. <laughs> Think again. Um, I saw a, I saw a tweet that was like, there's the meme going around, which is like, you had to be there. And it sort of shows a funny time in, in you know, recent history. And it was, it was a really good one of like, because you see Tottenham now and you do feel like a very sort of, you know, sophisticated, modern, big club. And, and it was like Tim Sherwood saluting Adebayor. Um, a picture of Tim Sherwood putting his gilet. Do you remember when he did that? He put his gilet on the last day of the season. Some fan <laughs> came on, came into the dugout and he put his gilet on him because he's such a good bloke. And then a, a screenshot of a midfield three of, oh God, who was it? Um, Kyle Walker, Chad, NASA Chadley and Bentaleb. <laughs> it was like, my God, like, this is this is Pochettino inherited that team. That's what you've got to remember about him, like. Yeah, I think it must have been just a throwaway game, but but nevertheless, it's like Christ, they come a long way. So, a couple of recently, a couple of weeks ago, um, it was claimed by a certain Mr. Joey Barton, or as his French name is, Joey Barton. Uh, so, do you understand that? Is that a reference? Is that a funny reference? Is that people like what are you talking about? Does anyone get that? Then no one. Uh, well, just uh, the only time. Yeah. When he was in Marseille. Well, do you not remember that famous thing that he did of? Yeah, he was in the McLaren. Yeah, I remember it. I remember. He it. was sitting in the press <laughs> conference and he talked like this with a friend. <laughs> yeah. And and Jaden Sancho has done the same as I well. I was just about to say. Yeah. And what I will <laughs> He's say, forgotten and, how to be English. And Steve McLaren did the first one. What I will say is, I actually 
I actually, uh, it's funny to watch. Don't get me wrong. It's really funny to watch. But I've been guilty of this as well. And it, when you go somewhere that speaks a different way and you're there for long enough, you, because they're, because then they can't speak your language very well. You find your, 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 you adopt the way they speak your language so you can communicate with everybody better. <laughs> Not to take the fun out of it, but that I, I've done it myself. So, Chameleon you, Harry. I, I, the thing I would be interested to see, right, Mm. is when Jin Sancho goes on England duty. Yeah. And so you'll be there. Oh, one second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet I bet he would like it'd be it'd be gradual, I think, but yeah, he'd probably just slip straight back into it pretty quickly. Um but anyway, Joey Barton made the comment about how Ingolo Kante essentially couldn't lace the boots of, you know, for, the former best midfielders in the Premier League and he's who did he cite Gerard and Lampard and Scholes I think it was um so what do you guys make of that oh, there's a shake a shake of the head is that a shake of the head as in no he couldn't lace the boots or is that a shake of the head as in Jury Barton is a wrong yeah he's definitely wrong what Egvik what no, I think he greatly underestimates Kanta. And in a way, I know what he means. I think the calibre of midfield is obviously like you named Gerard Lampard, Joviero being there, Yael Torre, mm. have oh, exceptionally great footballers. But I think Kante is just, he underestimates his game, in, game intelligence. He stops passing lanes. He's a hunter-gatherer of the ball. He's... His his athleticism, his intelligence, his positioning. Mm. I, yeah, I would probably think that they might struggle against Kante because they're not necessarily the most mobile of players as well. It's not like they can sort of use their physicality. But he's yeah, I think Kante would have greatly greatly succeeded amongst those, those midfielders that you named. And in that time as well in the Premier League, ten fifteen years ago, he would have yeah, he would have thrived. Obviously. We, we we all know how our stats uh, how stats fall on this podcast, but there was one that that made me think twice about Steven Gerrard's career, and that was that Kevin De Bruyne needs fifteen more assists in three hundred and thirty four games to beat Steven Gerrard's Premier League assist. But um, it's just I think yeah. I think at the moment, like as as brilliant <clears throat> as them players were, I feel like. I feel, I feel like everything's just been turned up a gear in the last 10 years. Well, well on that subject, because I, oh, I see Egby shaking his head, because I was going to say, was Barton's wider point about how the fact that, that the quality of centre midfielders in the Premier League has gone down, you know, in the last... Because it, it, whether or not you think the De Bruyne particularly, or even Kante is better or worse than the than the guys we've mentioned, was there not a lot more of them, you know, your your Fabregas's and, and mm. you know, Lampard, Gerard, Vieira, Keane, uh, you know, in that kind of period like yeah. when you look back in the last sort of um i don't know five or six years de bruyne kante who <clears throat> excuse me who else falls into that bracket of like absolutely would could could go to any team playing anywhere is there anyone dombele and dombele <laughs> um, i think Greatest. i think um 
Hmm. David Silva, Bruno Fernandes, or maybe you want to count? I mean, not Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, but Bruno Fernandes can't do it anywhere. He can't do it anywhere that actually matters. Yeah. That's the issue. Yeah. He would get in. Talk, talking of Kante, Kante absolutely pocketed him for that entire game. He was yeah. absolutely yeah, was non-existent. But going briefly going back to, to Barton's point, I, I think it came at an interesting time because it, for the last year or so, there's been a sort of slight uptick in the amount of people kind of going, you know, mm, is Kante, you know, is Kante a little bit past it? Like, is he, is he declining? Some people talking about Chelsea even selling him, um, <clears throat> and I think it kind of coincided with, well, firstly, a lot of sort of little um, little injuries that he's had, um, and you know, he was he only played in about forty percent of Lampard's games or something, which is which is mad, you know. Yeah, well, I think, like think. you said, I think that was due to injury. <clears throat> Yeah, but but it, I, I found it interesting that his comments came at a certain time because it, whether he was listening to Joe Barton's comments or not, it seems since then, the last three or four games that he's played, he, it seems like the old the old Kante has has returned. And as you said, Egby, like that, he's he has this sort of quality for tackling and awareness and positioning that I don't think any other yeah. midfielder of that quality has. Has done, and that's not to say that 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 alone makes him as good or better than than the other midfielders that we've mentioned. But uh, yeah, I, I certainly think it's silly to suggest that he couldn't be in the same. Would you say he's the uh, most unique midfielder that's ever been in the Prem, or one of the most? Unique? I I would, you know, be, just because I I don't think in terms of top quality, I don't think I don't know anyone who does the role that he does to the to to the to such a degree. You know, you have a lot of like tackling midfielders and and sort of holding. I mean, he's not a holding midfielder, but you know those sort of defensive midfielders. But they they don't have that kind of magnet foot that will always nick the ball when you need to. And 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 coupled with that, you know, the, having the ability on the ball that he does. Um, you know, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that there's anyone quite. I know something that make it a little bit more unique as well. Um, generally, with players that, that get the ball well off of the players, be that a tackle or an interception, mm. they generally have very long legs. Is that right? Is that what yeah. the stats say? Yeah, it is. So obviously, because you you can reach further, obviously from where you are. Sense, yeah, yeah, it makes was can't say it's not the biggest man, is he? <laughs> no, it's well, quite the opposite. Defensive, exactly, defensive ability. Or, and defensive prowess of a holding midfielder with the athleticism mobility of like a box-to-box midfielder. Mm. It's just crazy, just mm. the combination. And that's and I agree with you. I think he is one of the most unique players. Well, at times, Lampard often didn't really know where to play him, it seemed. Same with like, Sarri as well. I mean, Sarri started to play him like everywhere. Like, you know, do you not think that Fernandinho showed glimpses of this kind of style of play whilst the partnership with Yaya Torre? Because Yaya said in quite a few interviews that he wouldn't be as successful or he wouldn't have the freedom as much on a pitch if it wasn't for Fernandinho. I think Fernandinho is an exceptionally good holding midfielder and probably arguably the best one in the last, what, five, six years or so. But I think he's he's a very different style of player. He mm. does very I think he's more that static positional holding. Physical. Yeah, sort of like a, a slightly more mobile Matic, I would say, while Kante 
the way he's he's almost acceleration towards the ball. You know, you talk mm. about acceleration with the ball, his acceleration to to close down the ball, to know when to put a tackle in. And is I don't know, it's, it's like pick pick po- pick pickpocketing yeah. as well. Yeah, literally he's it doesn't even need to be like the, the speed in which he moves towards the ball, it's just the timing of knowing when to do it is, is everything the thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he's for for me. I think his best time was obviously at Leicester, but I think it was under Conte when he had Matic beside him. I know yeah, that, and I completely agree. He needs that whole. Yeah, this is this is. I mean, I've I've. This has been a big thing of me. I I and it's, it may come up in a pet peeve at some point. Um, but I I this whole idea that. Um, you know, Kante is a holding midfielder. He never, you know, he never has been. And you mentioned Ash there that Lampard and Sarri didn't really know where to play him. I, I, I don't know that that's true. I just think they both preferred three in midfield, and Kante suits, as Egby said, the two, which is what he played at Leicester with Drinkwater next to him, which is what he played at um, uh, Conte's system with Matic next to him, and it's what he's playing now with, in Tuchel's system with with Kovacic or whoever. And that that's it, it set away, especially with you know three behind him. And when Leicester were playing, I know they played four four two, but it was essentially like a back seven or whatever. Um, and they were very quick. Anyway, one point is that that's that is the perfect system for him. Um, so you know, I, yeah. And I think when you when you have him in that system, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with I agree with what you said about Fernandinho as well. He's got he's Egby and and Rowe. Like he's he's got a he had he had proven himself to to sort of be at the top of that position in in the Premier League. But the role was very different. And I don't think, as I say, I, there's, there's yet to be a footballer who has... And it's interesting what you said about the legs, Ash, because it makes sense now that, you think, now that you think about it. Like, if you, you know, the longer the legs, the better the tackling. But <laughs> I was never any good at tackling, which is slightly depressing. Well, Harry, maybe you didn't practice it enough. You should have to be fair, I was you, you, you probably would have made absolutely, absolutely no, no. amazing defensive mid. Yeah, no, no, not not, I mean, not if you played with him. Not if you played with him. He's a crafty bugger, Harry. I was just, no just good. From, like, just just in terms of looking at him physically, right? Mate, he probably put a bit more timber on, but he's quite tall. If someone's gonna put a ball you. over the top, they've cut it a bit short. He drops back slightly. He can win that first ball, you know what I mean? Or if someone's running through, he's got them gangly long legs to just but get it in there. Whether or not he wins the ball and it goes in the direction that he wants it to go is another is another that thing. Was, that was my I'm a bit like Peter Crouch in the sense that <laughs> I, I'm really tall. But you've but got a fantastic first touch. Well, I don't play like I'm really tall. So I was always useless <laughs> in the air. Cause as a kid, I never needed to be good at heading because I just was taller than everybody. So by the time I got to like teenager. And everyone being it was able to jump as high as me. I was like, oh, this is really hard. Like a four foot person in a six foot five body, Harry. <laughs> yeah, I literally, I, I just hated, I hated heading, and I, I didn't, I wasn't. Good, like, yeah. Going back to Joe Barton thing, weirdly enough, I think I do agree that the quality of football is not as good or has declined compared to about since what the turn of the year since the noughties. Well, not turn of the year. Turn For centre mids or generally. I think generally. Really. I think just looking back at our top fives for throughout the Premier League history, mm. I think, like you said, with how many midfielders get into the top five or would get into the Premier League teams back then, how many defenders, how many strikers, how many fullbacks would get into those teams? Those I'm talking about like the Mourinho 2004 team, the Invincibles or the Arsenal 2002 mm. team, the United 2008 team. 
how many of the players now would get in, would get above the other? Like our, our, our top fives and stuff, they're, they're, the, the players that are put in there from like who have retired have already reached the apex of their career. And I imagine that's that's a big part of why they're in there and not a newer player. Because uh, well, obviously, Mo Salah probably still has a lot left to achieve. You know what I mean? But and when he's achieved it, I think he could be in there. I mean, the, would, I guess, would you put him over? I can't. How, which mid wingers did we name? Or oh, maybe Salah, but I think. Yeah, he's an inside forward. Do you do you think that the plays we named, although you're right, they've they've reached the apex of their career, do you not think mm. that their apex is substantially higher? higher than... Has it got something to do with um, you know, the fact that the obviously the, the particularly in that mid to well, sort of yeah, mid to late noughties, the Prem was was really, really strong. I was looking at the Champions League. Like we had a finalist in 2005, six, seven, two in 2008, 2009. Like that's that's unprecedented. And now, yeah. well, sort of, we've come out of what seems like a decade of La Liga dominance. And now, maybe, maybe it's maybe in the next. Uh, maybe yeah, because it seems like the the Prem particularly is getting stronger. Mm. There's a lot of Prem teams who are, you know, getting. I mean, we had that all all English European final in yeah. 2019. Was it? Maybe both, both the Europa and the Champions League. Maybe, as you said, Ash, if we, you know, five years down the line, we look back at particularly if this is going to be a period of particularly strong English teams, um, you know, over the next five, six, seven years, and all those players are at the end of their career, maybe maybe it'll be different. Um, I guess Premier League, it's changed the style of football as well. But in, yeah. in terms of like um, which t- which players would get inside like Jose Mourinho's like uh, very good Chelsea or, mm. or or you you know these historically great teams? I think you could name a few. I mean, they're not. But I, I, think, I think the best players in the Premier League right now aren't. I, I think they're probably even better because they're, they're for one they're harder drilled uh, mm. tactically. The, the, the tactics of football cameras come on like. Monstr- like a monstrous amount in, in a very short space of time, I think. Obviously, the tactics have always been there, but I don't think yeah, it's it, been quite it, what they are now. Yeah, I mean, it feels very, very yeah, that's, that's tactic why I focused, think, isn't it? Now, yeah, that's why yeah, I, so think, I, th- I think mentally. <clears throat> sorry, Rob. No, no, like I'm, I'm agreeing with what you're saying. Like mentally, I think that the the way that the standard of I think the standard of football has increased, but maybe not so in the same sense as what you think Egby, I think like the the level and the standard of football throughout so. the entire league has been massively uh, you know the doors have been open or blown off even because um, you're looking at like teams like Leeds just come up near the mid table Aston Villa you know Sheffield yes it last last season came up and finished you know in the higher end of the table obviously right. look at them now right. I just think the the competition and the the, or maybe that's just down to the money side of things as well but I just think that overall the standard of football is a lot better and it's filtered through all the all the teams like lower teams because before you'd have like the top five or six teams that would play impeccable football or a high standard of football and then the rest of, you could tell a big difference you could tell you could tell there's a big drop off mm. so I think people like 14 relegation candidates yeah <laughs> yeah so I think this the standard of the top Historically, top teams has dropped, and the standard of the historically worst teams or lower teams has increased. So there's, I think, there's probably been more of an equalisation. So there's no longer that disparity between like the top four 
and then everyone else it's like okay like we talked about there's like a top six that could be a top mm. eight well, that eight teams could be all fighting for like the top four or so so yeah I think and that's how much of that do you think's due to financial fair play coming in 2013 I, I don't think it's I think it's more I think it's more to do with scouting I think obviously scouting okay I think like I think I mentioned it Arsene Wenger I think led the way for the scouting of young sort of um, unique talents that have never been seen before but I think now yeah. everyone, the scouting budget is crazy that everyone has scouts mm. literally in the four corners of the world so those unique gems that unearthed gems that only a few people know about everyone knows about them now it's just whoever's willing to get them before they become superstars yeah it's uh, not much of a case. Coaching. <clears throat> it's not much yeah. of a case anymore that like um you know most most teams even at the very bottom will have yeah. you know a, a 15 million pound signing from the from yeah. the french league in their team you know yeah. but whereas before that was just mad to think that yeah, you know, Derby County would just be British, and that would be it. And, <laughs> yeah. Maybe an Irish person in there, but like that's that's it. So maybe yeah, yeah maybe that's right. And as you say, I, I like the standard of coaching's probably mm. um, probably gone up. Maybe this is why we've seen two. Well, we look like looks like we're going to see another uh, runaway with the league this year, and Liverpool obviously last year. But like it does, dem- it does feel like aside from those two teams, I know they've been fluctuating. There has been a huge gap between like. There's not been a, a big title race with everybody in it for what? Four, five years? It was almost this year before <laughs> City winning got good. Yeah. <laughs> Boring City winning all the time. Yeah, it's weird. It's not like they're, they're miles ahead, but no one like no one cares. It's like, yeah. <laughs> no one's really that mad about it. Everyone's, everyone's just like, oh, United yeah. second. Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh, United. <laughs> She's quite delighted. Yeah, no, it's true. It's it's just been. I think it's it's be, they've become so consistent while everyone else has been so inconsistent. It's just like you literally just need to put a run of five games and you're like in the top four sort of thing. Like it's it's just mad. So well, this leads us nicely into into another topic, which is we we we're going to discuss. So at what point? do we break into this what we seem to deem as the established top six and say we can add another team in there because i mean obviously we've mentioned there there's a few teams not you know nipping around but i think leicester's generally the one that that people kind of go we could you know maybe we talk about a top seven are leicester worthy of that or is it or is it too soon? Or like, how, like, how do how do we decide a top? When does well, when did Tottenham get into the? They used to be the top four back in my day. Like, when did Tottenham get in? I understand why City got in there because of all the money and stuff. But like, it's, uh, here uh, comes the money. <laughs> Oggy McMonagall. Tottenham got there when um, Daniel Levy and Enoch came into. into the no. Yeah. What? Yeah. That was mad. That was twenty years ago. You were tenth when they came in. A lot, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like that's when it happened. Like, <clears throat> no, but what, what I'm, I'm, I think we've grown from there. Oh, you absolutely have. But what I'm saying is, there's now an established top six. We all talk about the top six, but when when you know, rewind ten years ago, Tottenham were not included in a top, you know, number. It, it was always the top four, and then. I don't ever remember it being a top five. So it's, it's we've had a top four and we've had a top six. So like, at what point do we say it's a top seven? Leicester, Leicester are there. I mean, keep top it eight. keep it even. Top eight. 
right. Obviously, I think I think I should probably do a bit more research on how the European places are kind of distributed. And this could go well into another topic, like that we'll discuss at a later time. But if if you look at it as though obviously you've got the four European places for the Champions League, mm-hmm. you've got a fifth place Europa League spot, and then one more, two more Europa League spots. Mm-hmm. I'd say what that's that's an even six six teams every season getting European football. I think that's a very easy way to to, to look at it. So it's like you've got these six teams getting European football, so they're the best six in the in the league. But there are more. So there's the big potent- six. There are more potential. But like I take I I think I understand what you're saying there. But like there are more spaces available to to play European footballs occasionally yeah. it depends on like cup performances and all that sort of stuff yeah yeah but like but, i mean I, I don't know when like that's that's not that, that's my I point think... my, my poorly put together point is that I, I don't know when those when they were started to just being distributed for like finishing sixth or a league mm. cup or like you know an fa cup so i i think it's a i think it's about if you if you're consistently in a position for long enough, that's when it becomes established. Because it's interesting not to pick on you, Dave, but like with Arsenal, as um, <laughs> yeah, so I was waiting. You know, it's been a while since you've had a a proper title race. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, you it, it, and I mean, where where did you finish last season? Seven, eighth, eighth, eighth. Trust the Tottenham fan to tell yeah, well, it first. That's, that's your point, isn't it? Has if we wouldn't have won the FA Cup, we'd have been in Europa League. Yeah, and but like even if you know in your what tenth at the moment, and even even with that, you still don't think of Arsenal as dropping out of the top six. Not yet, anyway. Like so, I'm just trying to get my head around what precisely makes because. You know, Le- Leicester, Leicester, could Leicester finish above Arsenal for the next five, five seasons and still not be considered to be in the top six? But Arsenal are. Is it about reputation? Is it about I, consistency? I, I, I agree because I think obviously they've our last um, Premier League was in 2004. They won there in 2016. Yeah, so they've won more Premier League titles than us in the last five years. They've finished up players for those yeah. last five years. So I. But then I think does it also come down to historical reputation? It's yeah, it's hard to define because given that criteria, Leicester hands down should be considered probably in the place of Arsenal, mm. one of the big top six, one of the top six. But they're not. With and it's it's strange why they're not. Mm. Um, would I consider them? I would consider them in a bunch in a top eight, but not a top six. Who else? Who's the, who's the other team? Everton. So the, if I was to choose, probably Everton. But I think that comes with the money that they can spend. I'm happy <clears> like Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, because weirdly, even before Ancelotti, even though Everton used to have very, very fluctuating years, they, for some reason, have always seemed like the kind of teams in that little pocket of not yeah. quite with the big boys, but not... Even when they were having... like, Do you remember when they had that that, that mad four seasons or something where they were like... Champions League, they finished fourth and then they finished like 16th and then they finished fifth. And then, like, even then it was still like, oh, yeah, you know, they're 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 sort of 
almost top team. Well, I would look at that and say they could not handle the European calendar. Knack <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, they, they overperform really. In, I in that. the investment because they need, they need bodies in there. Then, like when when Burnley, like what was it, game six or seventh, and yeah. qualified for Europa League, they didn't have the the numbers to do it, to hack it. Be interesting with Aston Villa because if they, let's say, for the next five years, they consistently finish, maybe go from eighth to sixth, seventh, around sort of between sixth and eighth, would they be considered in the top eight? I mean, look at Wolves. Wolves have been a good example of this in the last what three seasons. They've been like going around the European, uh, <clears throat> European, sorry, Europa League spots, and now mm. you know yeah, they've had a big drop. Yeah, they've had a drop. What semi-finals, quarter-finals? Because they've been missing their Jimenez, haven't they? Well, they got rid of. Yeah, but I think well, there's Yota came and went, didn't they? So Jota, yeah, uh, arguably their two best players last year. Definitely. I think it's I think it's quite easy to also you could also see a um, sort of some kind of connection between the amount of money a, a club brings in and its yeah. place in the top six. Or well, obviously, because I guess my question would be: is the current top six, which I'm going to say now, is you know City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Man United, right? Are they too big to not be in the top six now? Uh, because they, obviously they've been there that long and just this rapid expanse of the Premier League means they're, they are the most supported teams. Definitely in, 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 in maybe maybe not Europe, but like worldwide, worldwide, you know, the worldwide support of Premier League teams is, is, is astronomical. Yeah, so with, with this support there, fail, right? Yeah. yeah, are they too big to fail? Uh, like they will always be getting this money and they will always be the mm. richest clubs in in the league, apart from finishing like in the the bottom six places, and like everyone who's in that next category down gets all the Champions League places and all that for like ten years. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't really see a way of breaking breaking that top six apart. I I, I don't think you could count Leicester in it because I don't think they're a bigger club than Arsenal. I, I they're a better club than Arsenal. They're probably a better club than Tottenham, but I don't think they're bigger clubs than any of them. Mm. No, same same with Everton. Everton probably would are a bit are a bigger club than Leicester, I would say, but they're not better. Again, but I, I think the size of the club is far more important than the performances on the pitch, especially with the fan bases <clears> behind <throat> them. I think they're far too big to not be in the top six. Well, surely, do you not think that it could be more of a hindrance though, having such a big fan base, and yet if the team and the club underperforms? Well, I, I don't think you'll find a team that says, oh, well, I wish we had less fans, there's more pressure. No, I know that, but I mean, like, rather than, oh, I want less fans, you, you'd have fans that are more, basically, you've got more fans to be upset. Less yeah, you got more fans to upset. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I think Rangers is is a good I think example I've asked to, problem at the to say. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking Rangers. Rangers is a good example to back, back your point up, Ash, which is like, Obviously, it was a you know they they had financial difficulties, went into administration, got liquidated, got put in the fourth tier. But even even though you know obviously they possibly due to all the infrastructure, possibly you know all the all the because you know they didn't they all, all kept their all assets, kept the stadium, all that stuff. Um, well, it's in a different company, but they still they still kept it. Um, or whether because because they're such a big club, they were able to basically even they were in the fourth tier of Scotland. And they lost all their players. 
they were still able to go promotion, promotion. Well, not immediately, but promotion, promotion, promotion. And then it took them a few years. And now that, and now look at them, they're on the, they're back, they're back to where they were because of. Same with Juventus as well. Was it Calcio? Yeah, yeah, Juventus yeah. as well. They, they got relegated slightly. Yeah, and I mean, just... I guess because they kept a lot of like half of the players stayed, so it was yeah. it was they were always going to bounce back. But I take your point. Yeah, same sort of thing. Like they they and Oops, then. They're, they're... They're too big to fail. Maybe they, where they weren't back in the day, like they are far too big to fail now. Mm. Just just so, because of the, the branding and the marketing of the Premier League, it's just far too. So you much. think you think it will never dip below? So the only way it's gonna it's never gonna go below a top six. It's only gonna become. I think it, it takes it'll take something very big to. I don't think it'd be a top eight. I think a top six. I think the branding of the top six is far too strong as well. I, th- I think they're never going to call it a top eight. Or anything like that, because it's it, one. It's not as catchy, and you're including teams in there that don't have this prestige of the top six. I think it's a much stronger. <laughs> here, I, here I am again with the financials and the and, and the business side of it, but it's like it's a, it's a much stronger brand to take a top six of this prestige that there is now. Like it's, it's a stronger brand than having a top eight with like maybe a Leicester, maybe an Everton. You know what I mean? But then what happens if it's a case of like, you know, when Newcastle are going to be taken over by a, another billionaire similar to City? Yeah. And they absolutely pump that sort of... Yeah, but it's financial fair play again, where City, City didn't have to worry about that for a few years beforehand. So, so nothing like that. So it's, that's, that's the issue with like Chelsea and City and that. It's like, yeah, let's pump all this money into the club to get really, really big. And then, oh, well, no one else can do it now. And we're established. So I guess which yeah. is sort of sort of forego on that and it's not massive but I think my point is if the let's say there's financial fair play isn't something to take into account if they're yeah, like yeah. people have been suffering the clubs have been suffering we're going to put that to one side and then you have like a Newcastle let's say they get taken over by the, those guys come back and they take over and let's say they win two two three titles in the next 10 years they come they finish in the top four regularly would you say that that would then mean that they so is it would you say that they're only added to i becomes a top seven or would they still will it become a top eight or will they never be able to break into that bracket even though they have that possibility they have the finances they have the resources etc i think it'd be it takes something it takes something massive personally I, i think it would but also, I think the, the other thing you've got to look at is the actual teams that are there and where those teams are based. So obviously you've got, what, three three London clubs mm-hmm. and two in Manchester, one in Liverpool in the top six. I mean, Liverpool and Manchester, all the best bands from there. Everyone wants to go to Liverpool or Manchester and London's capital of England. Are you really going to have tourists like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to go to Newcastle? I mean, yeah, maybe about... Like, but the Premier League's the pull, isn't it? Like, if, if, you, yeah. if, you, if you're a big club... The fans will go to flipping Milton Keynes to watch you. Do you know what I mean? No, no. This yeah, but, yeah, but I, I, I don't think it, as many would. But do, do you think? Do you so? Do you think that even if Leicester finish in the Champions League spaces for five out of the next seven years, and they win a title? Well, let's say for the moment they don't win a title. They just, you know, third, third, fourth, sixth, third. Whatever you know, so that so they're, they're frequently would, above. It would take one. It would take one of the the big six to ab- absolutely fall off a cliff. 
but so isn't not, not even worse than like well not not even like Arsenal have fallen off a cliff. They're still there or thereabouts. Ra- Rangers falling off a cliff. Team. But, but it's like it would say, it would say like Arsenal finishing like bottom table for all that time as well, and everyone's like, we're talking Arsenal there. Do you do you not think there's a comparison there with what happened with Tottenham? Because obviously, you know, through you know just good management, good good sales of players and purchasing of players, blah 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 blah, you managed to sort of break into that challenge and do you not think it's just through that consistent because no, no one's particularly fallen off a yeah, cliff you've well, still got well, all those teams left now though isn't it I mean and all the all the big six that are there at the minute they've got they've got their they've got the advantage that they've proactively tried to take like the American market and the Chinese market and the Asian mm. market they're, they're mm. taking them and they have the advantage that they've got into those markets easier as well and earlier than the rest of the clubs, so they're, they're always going to be bigger, better, getting more money. But if you finish in the Champions League, your prestige is going to is going to rise yeah, quite quickly. Yeah. Like, how did Tottenham do it? That's though? hard. How did you Tottenham? How did Tottenham, Tottenham do it? Tottenham did it. Uh, well, it's funny because it's the only club like basically in Europe that have done it this way. It's like everyone else has either bought their way in or just either been already been an established massive European team from back in the day and I feel like Tottenham are the, are the only like, shining example of I'd, what I'd like, I'd good like decisions be, I'd like to be credited if you're going to quote me thanks yeah <laughs> <laughs> was that you? I thought I read that put it, Maybe put it in the, uh, put, it in the <laughs> put it in the references at the, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the... <laughs> um, but, but no, yeah, like, yeah hard work and dedication just get you there so, so it's not impossible to do it oh it's, it's not but I, I still don't think it'll happen <laughs> There was there was that mate when I remember when Tottenham would do it because you you had that it was like Harry Redknapp was was the manager and and you were you were trying to get into the top because you you'd been very close to the top four before with Mignol and then you had the lasagna thing that that an Arsenal snuck in um, but anyway you had you had the Harry Redknapp thing and it was it was a year or two or I think it was a year after City got bought out so City had had their first year and year of splurging and they got Mancini in and then. You beat them at the Etihad to secure the top four, and it was between you guys because that was it was always the traditional top four. Chelsea, Man, and I, th- I can't remember who dropped out. It must have been Liverpool dropped out, and then it was a race between Tottenham and Man City, and it and it and Tottenham got there, and it kind of felt like. I wonder if you hadn't got there whether because City were always going to improve because they had the money and they bought Aguero that summer and all that stuff. Um, but I, I wonder whether that had any importance because because you were kind of doing the race at the same time. And then ever since then, have more or less stayed in the sort of hunt for top four. Um, you know whether that proves that yeah. you know, it left left le- to do the same if they keep just churning these high yeah, table the thing, finishes. Thing with Leicester, Leicester, Leicester have done it recently. Like every season, one of their best players is nicked <laughs> by a big six. Like, and and yes, while they've while, while they've you know, re- recycled it and they've got like Soyan Chu in to get Harry Maguire there and then they thought Soyan Chu was going to be game bought in the summer and then they, they're bringing in this uh, Fafana and he's fantastic and, and they've got James Justin in there now and Chilwell's gone, right? Yeah. That ends eventually. You're not always going to get these good players coming through. You're not always going to get a 10 out of 10 player bought. You know what I mean? But I, you're, I you're, think no like... matter how good your scouting system is and then it, then it takes that one season when you've dropped back off because your but, best player's been bought, and I, then Vardy's aged. I agree. I agree on that. But I, for, first of all, I think that a um, Leicester are very, which is what Spurs were always very good at. Leicester are very good at knowing when 
their players are valued higher than their talent is. I think yeah. they recognise that instantly with Maguire. I think Chilwell, t- to an extent, the same. And, like, you know, I think they're very good at kind of going, like, yep, this player's great, but, like, yeah, if you're going to pay over the odds, we're going to we're going we're gonna to sell them to you. And they have got this amazing consistency with scouting players that blah, blah, blah. But also, I think you have to remember Tottenham were like that for a long time. Berbatov, Carrick, Robbie Keane, like there was a period when you were every year selling your selling your best players. And it did feel like, you know, living with Spurs fans in my family, it did feel like crikey. You know, like we're never, you know, never going to quite make that. But then eventually... You, you, you keep consistent at that point and you at that level and you stay up there and, and eventually you have maybe it's the resources or maybe the prestige to kind of A, keep the players, but B, tell other clubs to piss off. Um, and like, you know... And that, yeah, when, that comes about by setting your price and sticking with it, I guess. And like, le- it's like not like Leicester get, get ransacked. Like, indeed, he's a great player. They've, you know, they've kept a hold of him. They, um, I mean, I know Vardy didn't go. It's probably James Madison. Age. You know, Madison could have could have gone like, you know, all these Harvey guys. Looks absolutely Harvey fantastic. Looks good. Um, Ricky, oh, Ricky Pereira is fantastic. Um, you know, and they, they've sort of kept all these. Schmeichel, they've had a very, very, a, a very good keeper <clears throat> for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, they've got a very good team. I just don't think they're going to break into the top six anytime soon unless Arsenal fall off a cliff. Not even just Arsenal. Just Arsenal like... specifically. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> but I mean, if you, right, Egby, forgive me, but if one of them was going to drop <clears> off, <throat> like drop out of the top six at some point, it w- looks more likely to be Arsenal at the moment. W- would you disagree with that? I, I, I'd love to, I really want to clip this and then bring it up when if we fast forward 12 months when Harry Kane sold in the summer and Tottenham like 14 or something. <laughs> I think, well, it looks like going on form is obviously between us two, but obviously we're in the low position, so you probably yeah. won't. But... I'm, well, I'm not saying it is, because I yeah, don't yeah, think no, it will. Yeah. I think you're too big to fail. But Yeah, no, I get it. We're obviously not the most... Well, going on where we are, then yeah, we probably won't be the most likely. But... Yeah, so it's, I think it's, happened, so it's, like... it's just weird with the Leicester thing that they have almost done everything possible to be considered in the top six. Or, or... Exactly, and since then, right, it's only... like So they've been consistently better than... Definitely Arsenal, they've been consistently better than Tottenham for a few years now. And only now, right, only now, it's taken all those years for it to only be spoken about. Do you think that it's going to take so many more years of them doing this consistently. Do you think that that's going to happen? Because I, I don't. I, I don't think that... I, th- I think, one, that Arsenal will re- have a resurgence very soon, and I don't think Leicester can be that consistent, because they don't have the squad there for the minute to at be the that minute, consistent. At the minute, they don't, but you could say that whenever whenever like their top players have gone, and they've gone, oh, it's going to be hard to replace that. They've, they've found ways, so you can't say that their squad depth isn't that great. Like I think the it squad isn't, depth. I mean, well, you say it isn't, but it, it might not be great due to recognizable names, but as a club it's definitely the depth are doing their own way about things and still performing. Like they've got like what eight or nine players injured at the moment and they're still floating around the top end. Yeah they, they were, no, they were that, but unlucky not to get they 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 were the third best team last year like they were they, yeah, like yeah. The Chelsea and Man United snuck into the Champions League ahead of them they, they're improving despite all their injuries like I take your point about the fact that they need to be consistent but surely I mean they they just seem to be very 
I mean, I, I'm amazed that they haven't dropped off again. I know they've got a good manager, got good players, but I, I think that if they continue doing this, surely at some point we will have to kind of revise it and go big seven. You think Brendan Rodgers is key to Leicester's sort of consecutive sort of run of good yeah. Because if they lose him, because I think if England do poorly in the Euros and Southgate gets sacked, for me, I'd love to see Brendan Rodgers take the England job. He's, yeah. he's he's definitely a big factor for for them improving, but I think he's not the only thing that's that's making them yeah. you know that that quality. And and I think football though, it, yeah. If if he left, um, he's been tied with Barca this week as well. If he left, um, <laughs> there are Teta has yeah, is that <laughs> as well? Yeah, they got no I'm, I might as well have been I might as well have been <laughs> rumored to go there Jules, as well. Jules, I asked him, what? <laughs> <laughs> If if Rogers left, I think there'd be a lot of people looking at Leicester. Not not your top tier managers, but a lot of managers kind of going. That's an exciting prospect because they're not penniless at all. No. They've got you know, and and they've great recruitment. Yeah, and and all, you know all that. The whole structure of the club's really good. Exactly, they they're really, really well managed. Um, and they did really they did really well to identify Rogers because it was the per, you know he was far too good for the. You know, maybe there, there was still that bit of like, oh, he, he wasn't as bad as he looked at Liverpool. I know he did really well at Liverpool, but he was far too good for the SPL. Leicester done well. I think, he's, I think he's gotten a lot better since Liverpool. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. but, I mean, they don't really peak managers. I mean, they can always keep adapting and mm. trying to overhaul oh, well, change the style. Don't they always peak? I've still got that article to write, but bloody Miguel Delaney nicked it. <laughs> Stupid bastard! I've still got. I'm still writing it because it's not quite the same as his, but um, um, it's, it's not a long way from being finished. Thank you very much once again for joining us, and Miguel, if you're listening, let's collaborate. Drop us a DM. We'll sort something out. Uh, thank you again. Uh, feel free to give us a follow on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Both pages at Edge of the Box Pod. And we'll see you online. We'll see you on the interweb. Thank you very much. See you next week.